0: Welcome back to another edition of the Disney Dish Podcast with Jim Hill. It's me, Len Testa, and this is our first show for November 2016. It's time to slow down a little bit to reflect on the cooler weather, which in the case of Orlando, where I'm recording, is about 85 degrees. and <laughs> <laughs> it's a chance to think about all the things that we're thankful for for this year. I, for one... I'm thankful for our other host, one Mr. Jim Hill. Jim, how's it going? So this is our Thanksgiving show, so that makes me a turkey, right? <laughs> I was going to pardon you at the end of the show. Can leave it leave it a little suspenseful, Jim, oh, but uh, but that's fine. I've we'll, waited we'll so long. Oh, wow. <laughs> can you give me a few minutes? There's a couple
1: of offenses I'd like to commit first, all right? <laughs> so, before you sign the paperwork, I just need to get a few things in under
0: the water. There we go. So how's your November going, Jim?
1: So far, the problem is that I, I live up in New England, and it's this time of year When you look out at the trees with no leaves on them and the gray skies, and you honestly think the pilgrims had to be insane. What were they thinking? (laughs) When they first landed, it's, it's like January at the end of Cape
0: Cod, and it's miserable. I think they were just tired of being on the boat. Fine, it's land. It's it's cold. It's gray here. 500 miles to the south, warm, nice beaches. So, Jim, a couple of quick uh, Disney questions for you. One, sure. I hear that uh, Once Upon a Time is replacing the projection show, Celebrate the Magic, later on this month in the Magic Kingdom.
1: Yeah. On the heels of all of the work that they've been doing around the hub Mm -hmm. with all of these new areas that were built and new viewing spaces, it stood to reason that on the heels of that, we were going to see newer nighttime entertainment because this is where you want to concentrate these folks. So. Mm -hmm. First through the gate is this new projection show where they've texture mapped the castle. And mm-hmm. to launch this sort of show this time of year is, of course, this is when the castle is overlaid for its Elsa's holiday wish. Yep. The icicles. Yeah. So when you texture map, you get this really crisp imagery because you know exactly what your depth of field is. and Yep. To launch a show this time of year with all of those little lights on top of it means that it is, in fact, going to be a little fuzzy for a while. Oh, because the lights and everything that throws off the depth just a little bit? That's just enough. Right on the heels of this comes Jingle Bells Jingle Bam over at Hollywood Studios. I was going to ask you about that. This is the holiday fireworks over at the studios. Yeah. This is James Mako Roddy's group, the folks who did the amazing Star Wars. What's the new version a long Uh, long time ago?
0: Uh, yeah, Star Wars Galactic Spectacular thing, whatever.
1: Yeah. This is the way they're going now, that you have these projection shows. And let's be honest, anybody who's seen the Star Wars one, is it's a show that genuinely earns the name Spectacular, which is why I can't wait to see them do what they're going to do with the holiday
0: show. So I've heard a couple of things. I've heard that most of the firework sequences for the holiday show are remarkably similar to the Star Wars. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So it's so it's mostly lighting. I mm -hmm. mean let's face it, I mean there are relatively few Holiday themed fireworks. I mean, I could see like you know a little bit more red and green or whatever. Um, well, but it's mean, not like they're gonna they're gonna do a menorah shaped explosion, <laughs> which would be but but that'd be super cool actually. If yes, they, uh, if it, they could. it would be. It would be.
1: But yeah, I mean, lots of red, lots of green, white, gold. It is kind of already
0: the established fireworks palette. It is. That's what I was thinking. I mean, how would, how could you really tell other than the uh, if you were just watching it and you weren't listening to the music, it would be difficult to say this particular sequence is is a Christmas sequence. Mm-hmm. Let me ask you another question, though, Jim. Is the Star Wars fireworks coming back? after?
1: Disney? Yeah, they're actually waiting to see what the reaction is to Rogue One. That's exactly
0: what I thought you were going to say. <laughs> yeah, That's exactly it.
1: Yeah. Disney made an announcement within the past three months where they basically reminded the financial community, said Rogue One, a Star Wars story, isn't part of this ongoing trilogy. It's not going to click into The Force Awakens. It's its own thing. And so, you know you're in a weird age when Disney's out there going, look, I don't think this is going to make a billion
0: dollars. Are they just talking down projections though? I mean, is it just that they're setting low expectations and then... Oh, you of know, course! So,
1: I mean, you, know, you and I are both cynical enough to know that's what's going on there. You know, you know, you, so you, you know, think, oh, I'm, I'm shocked! I'm shocked! I'm delighted it's over a billion dollars. When it's just like yeah. in-house, it's like, alright, that's our number. We want to make that number. We yeah. want every one of these Star Wars projects to roll over the B-level. Then you go over your pre-existing footage for mm-hmm. the thing you're doing for the studio, and all right, so
0: where's our opportunity to bring in Rogue One footage, and how do we drop this in? And- into the Star Wars fireworks? Right. Yeah, right. and th- it's going to give them a month to to identify potential sequences, right? I mean, they'll have till they'll have till December 25th or so to yeah. figure out. But here's the thing:
1: that show is really, really tight. They do a wonderful job of taking you from Ewan McGregor's Ben Kenobi to you know mm-hmm. Alec Guinness's. It's going to be kind of hard to shoehorn in this story. On top of that, this week, if you've been paying attention to the entertainment press, you've had the casting of the young Lando Calrissian for the young Han Solo movie that is about to begin shooting. And you know that if the show continues, that yes, they'll fold in footage of the young Han Solo along with Harrison Ford. Right. But it's a hit. It's a good, solid show. The sense I'm getting from Disney is they don't necessarily want to mess with it too much. But the, anybody who's seen like the, the the new version of World of Color that was done for Disneyland's 60th anniversary was mm-hmm. so it was the Disney equivalent of bingo. All right, there's the Marvel. Okay, there's Frozen. Okay, there's the ESPN. They'll figure it out. They'll shoehorn it in somehow. Yeah, Tenth of a second of, hey,
0: look, the Death Star. So you mentioned Disneyland. You and I have talked about this but offline, but I don't think we've talked about it on the show. Rumor mm-hmm. has it that the Magic Kingdom has ordered costumes for Paint the Night. Okay. You know the story about what's going on at Disneyland, that basically they,
1: they built this parade. In a weird sort of way, it's kind of a parallel of the first version of the Main Street Electrical Parade. But, you know, they knew they had a popular product, but at the same time, this is the first time they built a show featuring this sort of technology. A lot of the costumes were too heavy and fell apart. and So, yes, they are rebuilding the floats. They are redoing the costumes. Mm -hmm. Then, when you're the Walt Disney Company and you're building brand-new costumes for Paint the Night, it then becomes the conversation like, well, you know we're sending this to Walt Disney World at some point, right? So why don't we order two sets of costumes? You yeah, know, exactly. Be, what's fascinating about that is the pushback is, well, you understand that when you build a costume for Florida, better part of the year, it's 85 to 90 degrees down there and humid. And that's not an issue in Anaheim. So As much, yeah, no. You know, sometimes doubling up on building something doesn't necessarily prove to be a savings long run. That further on down the line, you have the folks in Walt Disney World who are like, "Thank you, we'll, we'll order our own costumes with breathable fabric. Maybe you've heard of that.
0: <laughs> one more, uh, one more Disneyland uh, question, and then one more Walt Disney World question. I uh, hear Fast Pass Plus is coming to DCA, starting with Toy Story Midway Mania. What kind of rollout do you think, if any? there's going to be at Disneyland for FastPass Plus, or is this just yet another test?
1: Well, Toy Story Mania, it was the first attraction through the door when they were beginning the redo, rethink, the billion-dollar makeover of DCA. Mm -hmm. So it has some of the most up-to-date technology. It's a projection-based, trackless, you know, attraction. So this would allow for fast pass plus it's relatively easy to start here it's deep inside the park it's not an attraction that every guest gets to just because of its location
0: right so so, So it's not like a a soaring at the beginning of the park where everyone's going to walk by it and
1: that's it exactly so if you're going to start to walk this concept out it's kind of the, the right attraction to do it among the DCA's assembly of attractions. It kind of pales now in the face of Radiator Springs Racers or right. you've got Guardians about to come alive in, in this park. So it's just far enough down popularity-wise mm-hmm. that it's a perfect test case.
0: Oh, I get it. So you think that they're going to use it to uh, distribute the crowds more throughout the park like they did with some of the secondary Fast Pass attractions, say, at the Magic Kingdom?
1: That's it exactly. Oh, okay. All right. That makes yeah, and, sense.
0: Again, you start there.
1: I mean, it's sort of the classic, you, you have to walk before you can run. The news has just broken that Toy Story 4, which, as I understand it, you know, they were already talking with Imagineering about it changing out at least one or two scenes in Toy Story Midway Mania to to reflect the new movie. It just goes pushed back to 2019.
0: It's okay. I, I don't think uh, Toy Story 4, Woody's Revenge, was going to be a... <laughs> yeah, yeah. It really it's a anymore.
1: love story land. It's, it's it's Woody rescuing Bo Peep. All right, if you say so. If you say, that's fine. Well, it, it, it was until they pushed it back to 2019. Maybe yeah. your homicidal maniac story is in fact making so its way Woody through. Woody versus
0: Jason uh, <laughs> would be uh, would be fine. All right, Jim. One more uh, one more quick question. Uh, break out your actuary tables for mm-hmm. this. I'm a middle aged man in good health, non smoker, moderate drinker. Will I live long enough to see rivers of light? <laughs>
1: You know, I'm
0: still <laughs> so It's just a question, right?
1: <laughs> there's a holiday press event being held at Walt Disney World. Oh, the November like like literally a few days before Thanksgiving, right? Yeah, it's it's I want to say the 15th through the 17th. Yeah. I can't help but notice that initially Rivers of Light, they pushed it back all the way to April, and then suddenly mm-hmm. there was a discussion of bringing it forward and opening it in November. I mean, Chase, you're in a situation with Animal Kingdom that you, you've shut down the Jamming Jungle Parade, which means you lose Jingle Jungle as well. Yeah, It's one of these things where if you're looking to make that park a holiday draw, which you have to balance things out now. Yeah,
0: everyone can go to the Magic Kingdom, right? yeah look
1: what just happened this past Saturday at Epcot, at Epcot. <laughs> yeah I mean they fill the parking, p- parking, parking lot. lot I didn't even know that was possible yeah at times like this it becomes crucial that you have to spread people out around property and okay. there's increasing pressure on one hand it makes perfect sense to hold rivers of light till next spring and to roll it out as part of the reveal of or avatar World the world of Pandora but on the other hand, if they feel that they finally have it in presentable enough shape, boy, is that a tepid way of describing a piece of entertainment. Yeah, geez. you going to the uh, media event? We'll find out. Sometimes when I talk, it's like, oh, your invitation got lost in the mail because I put it in the shredder.
0: <laughs> <laughs> so Lost in the mail. That's yeah. right. I'll let you know, Len. Alright, on to our subject for today. We, uh, so this is the continuation of our chronological Disneyland episode. When we last left Disneyland, it was late 1988, and Disney had just got a bunch of properties, including the Disneyland Hotel, from the Rather Corporation. Mm-hmm. And now they were trying to figure out what to do with it. So just just as a quick refresher, Jim, what were the things besides the Disneyland Hotel that Disney got from the Rather Corporation? Well, they acquired
1: what was then known as the Rather Port Properties, LTD, which was the Queen Mary and the Spruce Goose uh, down at the edge of of Long Beach Harbor, 1988, it's four years after Michael Eisner has come through the door. Mm-hmm. A lot of pressure from the board, a lot of mm-hmm. pressure from the Bass Brothers, uh, you know, the big time investors, mm-hmm. to increase revenues. And a, one of the things they were looking to do was to take the Orlando model, the destination resort, mm-hmm. and bring that to Anaheim. And, and obviously, step one of that was to gain control of the Disneyland Hotel. And so now, you know, Disney wasn't just a theme park, they had a really for real hotel, but they also had this piece of waterfront property with these attractions sitting there. And they begin conversations with the mayor and the the Long Beach City Council, and Mm -hmm. Ernie Kell, who's the, the mayor at that point, just flat out says, it's like, if the Queen Mary had to be sold, he'd rather it be to Disneyland than anybody else. His thinking that, you know, look, Disney has this history. Anaheim was this sleepy little town that was known for produce.
0: <laughs> so speaking of it, one of the interesting things that Eisner investigated mm. through Buzz Price was avocado farming? Yeah. <laughs> okay, another, another time. So they apparently asked somebody to investigate the profitability of avocado farming in Southern California. But
1: anyway, okay. Okay, so we now get in this situation where it's like, what are you going to do? Disney finalizes the deal in 1988. <laughs> and by May of that year, you know, there are reporters already buttonholing Dick Nunes, you know, to the effect of. Well, what are you going to do? And Nunes turns back and says, i got to be honest, guys. We are building the studio attraction in Florida. We are building the Norway Pavilion. Imagineering is stretched ridiculously thin. We haven't really focused on the Long Beach properties yet. But the thing is that this encounter with the press actually embarrasses Dick Nunes, because this is a guy who likes to be in command of his domain, for, for lack of oh, a better Always way. have
0: an answer, right? Always. That's
1: exactly. So he actually reaches out To Keith Kembeck, who, if you're a Disney history buff, you know that name. That's Kembeck of the Kembeck's Raiders, the guy who basically pulled Fort Wilderness out of the swamps by Bay Lake. I don't need to get into the full story of how they had no money. So basically what Keith would do is would wait till all the construction workers went at home. And then they drive over there with trucks and steal whatever wasn't nailed down. <laughs> and that was how Fort Wilderness was made. You know, and it just, that's the thing. Dick knew that Keith was a guy who could turn nothing into something. Right. All right, and he figured, if I hand this guy the Queen Mary, and the Spruce Goose. He will turn it into something. Mm-hmm. And so that's what he did. And the interesting thing is that he calls. Kembeck, at this point, is in charge of operations of the entire Walt Disney World Resort. Now, think wow. about this. Okay. You're the guy in charge of all that. And your boss says, hey, I need you to go to Long Beach to, to be in charge of a dusty old ship. And a plane is falling apart. And it's like, oh, I'm on the next plane. So was he
0: reassigned from Walt Disney World? He was. He, and he came all the way out wow. to California. And, hey, so, so... so your boss walks in the office mm-hmm. and he's like, I know you're in charge of this entire sprawling 28,000 acre resort, mm-hmm. which is probably one of the most popular vacation destinations in the United States. And I'd like you to change from that job to go look at this boat and plane that we just bought. How does that not feel like a demotion to you? Oh. I mean, you've got you to sell the hell out of that for anyone to say, I am on the next plane. Right? But that's the thing. Nunes
1: valued above all loyalty. Okay. And so the fact that he could make that call and it's like, okay, I'm on the plane. Right. And Kembeck did the work. He got out there. He walked every inch of that boat. Yeah, same thing, is, is wandering through the Spruce Goose. And he knew that, geez, I, I'm going to need some help. So he, he calls in some favors. He gets a couple of Imagineers to come down. Actually, puts them up in the Queen Mary's hotel for a couple of days, and walks them through the entire boat. It's like, guys, what can we do? Okay. Turns to him at one point over dinner and just basically says, you know, there there aren't any construction sites nearby that we could loot, are they? <laughs> <laughs> This is actually going to take money. Yeah. You've got a then over
0: 50-year-old ship, a 40-year-old plane that flew once. And, and also, it's. I mean, it's called a spruce goose because it's made out of wood. And That's wood, right. Wood, That's right. I know steel and seawater don't go together really well, but, but wood and seawater go together even worse. So this is when Keith
1: had to make the bad phone call. He had to call okay. Dick and just basically say, look, this is going to take huge 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 box. what was the idea for the spruce goose i mean what were they gonna i mean they weren't gonna fly it very very early on they identified that there just wasn't a place for the spruce goose in what disney was looking to do there and so they were already looking out at aerospace museums or i think at one point there were conversations with the smithsonian yeah but it just then became a transportation issue about how would you get this thing there and it's like fly <laughs> no that's not no, happening you, you would float it there you would, yes. you would assemble it and float it, yeah. So, what happens is, Ken back to his credit, says you need to get a real developer in here, which is when Disney brings in David Malmuth. Malmuth was a developer who had come on Disney's radar in '88 because he'd ridden herd on a project in Los Angeles's little Tokyo historic district. And he was a guy who figured out how to mix commerce and cultural sensitivity and Mm -hmm. that immediately it's like this is the guy the guy who could figure out how to take the queen mary and the spruce goose and and make them appealing to modern day while still honoring their history what disney wanted to do with these two is they didn't just want tourists they wanted locals they wanted people within 50 miles to want to come down and experience this thing it's kind of revisits what keith does he goes down He gets on the Queen Mary, but the interesting Mm -hmm. thing is that he stands on the deck of the thing and looks out toward Long Beach Harbor, and he sees what is one of the busiest ports on the West Coast. It immediately recognizes that if Disney does anything, that... Screws up the container ships that are coming in there that are delivering millions of tons of material every day that have to be offloaded or loaded, that yeah. sort of thing. It's going to be a PR nightmare. So instead, he turns around and he looks out across the water to Long Beach. There's this body of water called Queensway Bay. He's like, now wait a minute. Wouldn't it be interesting if we went in that direction, if we made the Queen Mary the outermost part of it, but marched in toward the city, and we made this our first urban destination resort? An urban destination? destination resort. Yeah. So not a theme park, but... Well, no, the theme park would actually still be out by the Queen Mary, but the notion is that you put the entertainment and you put your hotels along the harbor going in toward the city. So ah,
0: okay,
1: okay. to the city's way of thinking, this is great because clearly, I mean, you suddenly have kind of an Anaheim situation. You don't have a walled city, right the Walt Disney World model. But you have the hotel where people are gonna walk out the door and suddenly they're in Long Beach, so they're actually spending in the in restaurant that's down the street. Sorry. By nineteen eighty nine, Disney's already sitting down with the Long Beach City Council and they hammer out a deal to build an eighty to twelve hundred room hotel not out by the boat or the plane, but on a, on a parcel downtown. How far from the boat? We're talking a mile and a half. I mean, you'd have this spectacular wow. view of yeah. the park of the boat. But again, you're in the city. You're in the middle of it. The way they convinced the Long Beach City Council people to do this is they'd bring them up a couple at a time to Glendale. And after making them sign a non-disclosure agreement the size of a phone book, mm-hmm. they'd bring them into 1401 Flower Street, bring them into the model shop, and show them the model that they had already built for this marine-inspired theme park. Michael Eisner, when he came through the door... September of 1984, he's one of his first priorities, right out of the bat, is he had to fix Epcot. The park had opened two years early, October 1982, and as Mike's, Michael's coming through the door, the attendance level is falling through the floor. Right, Just the first five years, Michael is, is on deck. You've got Captain EO going into replacing Magic Journeys as a, a Journey to Imagination. You've got the Norway Pavilion with Epcot's first thrill ride, and then <laughs> Wonders of Life with your Star Tours-inspired simulator, Body Wars, and um, a uh, celebrity-filled celebration at the Cranium, uh, Cranium Command. So Michael has to spend a lot of time during these five years thinking about Epcot, obsessing about the park, how to fix it. Mm-hmm. And it takes on this weird kind of bend in that, so here are the Imagineers who are pitching the second gate for Anaheim and the park that they want to build down with the water, and they begin to discover that a way to really get Michael's attention... You say, well, you know, this is an idea we did at Epcot, but I think we found a way to improve it. And suddenly Michael's sitting forward in the chair because it's like, this is something he's been dealing with for five years. And so what ends up happening is if you look at both of the parks that were developed, your Disney Seas theme park for Long Beach and your Westcott, Mm -hmm. both of these parks have a Spaceship Earth. As you entered Disney Seas, in much the same place that Spaceship Earth is, is a 180-foot tall structure that seems to be made entirely out of water. It's called Oceana, and just like Spaceship Earth, it's the thesis attraction for that theme park. If you ride it, by the time you finish that attraction, you are in the proper mindset for experiencing that theme park. So, so Oceana. Yep. And what was the premise of the... Uh Here in the West, we tend to think of the oceans as separating us from the other countries, from Mm -hmm. the other parts of the world, whereas in the oceanic community, the islands out that way, the the, the Polynesia, they actually thought of the water as connecting that world, and that was actually one of the conceits of the show, that we've got Ah. it all wrong. Water connects us all. Ah, And now we jump to Westcott, and what's in the middle of that park? Instead of our 180-foot-tall spaceship Earth? we have a 300-foot-tall golden ball called Space Station Earth. Same thing. You get inside, you ride, it's your thesis attraction, it establishes the rules and the premise of the rest of the park, and you walk out the door and you're ready to experience the seven wonders of Westcott. And we'll get to to those on on the next show. But, But because Michael can't quite decide which one of these projects he wants to go forward with, They're both in the model shop at the exact same time. Sure. Doesn't sound unlike Eisner. I mean, come on. So when they're bringing in the Long Beach City Council people, all Imagineering would do is there's this floor to ceiling curtain that they pull across the middle of the room. Mm -hmm. And these people are standing in front of this wonderful model of what's going to be built uh, all along the sides of Queensway Bay and and this marine theme park. And right behind that curtain is a very similar-looking theme park with a giant ball, just like Oceania, in it. And, you know, all all that's separating them is this piece of fabric. And I can't help but think, given that what follows now is... Three to four years of intense negotiations, competition between Anaheim and Long Beach. And Long Beach, for the longest time, had no clue that there was a second park in the works that that Disney was considering building something else in Anaheim. And just, you know, what would have happened if somebody had dropped a quarter that rolled under the curtain and looked over and like, <laughs> shoelace <"Hey!">
0: untied, <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, untied shoelace. You know, so. sneeze.
1: Yeah, <laughs> it's funny. But yeah, we will get into the Seven Wonders of Wiscott and we'll take a walk around Port Disney Seas in our next installment of the chronological
0: Disneyland. Wow, that's fantastic. All right. Oh, Jim, b- before we go, so a completely different subject. I forgot to mention this in our mm-hmm. in our initial get-together. Switching back to Disney World, we talked a couple of weeks ago about how Disney wasn't happy with the foot traffic numbers at Disney Springs. Did you see the news yes, this week? That, yes, yes. Uh, mm-hmm. uh, has mm-hmm. started to come back. It's hours now. It's, not, it's yep. only going to open up. Uh, okay, anyway, good call on that one. I mm-hmm. you think they're going to do something for the winter holidays then, or do you think it's too late for that?
1: Well, no. They, they actually just announced earlier this week the holidays at Disney Springs. And as the placeholder... They've got this trail of Disney-themed trees scattered around. I mean, you know, remember I mentioned that they sort of rushed a decorating program through. And in this case, you're going to have be able to wander the length and breadth of Disney Springs. And in each part of this dining, retail, entertainment district, there are going to be all Mm -hmm. these different Disney trees. One will celebrate Beauty and the Beast. One will celebrate Toy Story. Oh, nice. But for this year, that's what's going on. But this drops on the exact same day that the Jingle Bell Jingle Bam debuts at the studio. I want to say it's November 15th, November 14th, with the extension by nine days uh, this year of food and wine Mm -hmm. uh, they wound up cutting in on uh, the number of days that they have to change out epcot Uh, to be honest most uh, the nine days were placed on the front of the schedule but even so instead of having 11 days to decorate future world and world showcase they've only got 10 this time santa will probably still be gluing on his beer or papa no uh, Pierre noel papa Noel will be serving (laughs) a swish meatballs (laughs) there we go kind of kind of doubling up these aren't reindeer these aren't reindeer (laughs) (laughs) that's
0: right we right, venison
1: off. don't worry <laughs> completely different thing completely
0: different <laughs> all right. one of them is red and round um, all right you've been listening to the disney dish podcast with jim hill we are produced fabulously by one aaron adams please go on to itunes and stitcher and google play and rate our show and tell us what you would like to hear next for jim this is len we will see you on the next show take care guys